Amen. Amen. I love that song. It, it sort of wrecks me every single time, but I do really love it. So that's, that's a good thing. Good morning again. My name is Seth Batista. If we have not met, I get the honor and privilege of serving as our youth pastor here. I don't know what you guys do full time for your job, but try out youth pastoring. It's the best thing in the world. I don't know. It, depending. If you like to wear shorts, I'm a shorts guy. So uh, I did wear pants today. My wife was very excited. There was a whole conversation about the length of my pants today. So I am wearing pants. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, ushers, you guys can go ahead and come now. If you're part of the East Point family, this is, this is where we give our tithe and offering, if you guys have that ready. It's also how we get back those communication cards, those connection cards. If you have prayer requests, you can throw them in the bucket. Uh, if you ever don't have time to get any of that stuff ready, there's black boxes by all the doors and you can put all that stuff in there. So we are gonna be in our 50 Days of Transformation series. It's a great series. If you've missed any of it, uh, you can catch up online. Eastpointchurch.com has all the videos on there. You can see where we've been. We're gonna be in Genesis 3 today, Genesis 3. It's gonna be great. You can start heading that direction if you'd like to. It's at the beginning of your Bible. Just keep going left. You will get to Genesis 3. Yeah, right? Somebody's like, hey, it is that, yeah. Uh, before we get rolling though, I feel like this last week has, uh, has had some, some things happening in it. Can we agree that there are some things from this week? That yeah, okay, some of you guys are like, you're aware, you're alive, okay, good. Um, I just, with everything that, that's taking place and, and people's emotions running high and all the things, we kind of blew past something that's a big deal to me. It's, it's significant to me, but I think it's significant to the country, and that's Veterans Day. Friday was Veterans Day, so I just want to take a minute. If you're a veteran, uh, if you have served in any branch of the military in any conflict or not conflict, just served at any point, would you mind standing? Would you stand so we can celebrate you, so we can honor you? Thank you, guys. Truly, truly. You guys, you're amazing. Uh, without the vets, uh, we wouldn't have the freedoms that we do. We wouldn't have the ability to get upset about our po political system, right? So thank you, vets. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but truly, we do honor them. We honor their service and, and their sacrifice. Uh, and we, I promise we are gonna do the 50 Days of Transformation message, but I just felt like it, we would be remiss. We would be lacking in, in our job as a community of faith if we didn't at least briefly address the election. And I just wanna be very clear, like we didn't lose. Like no, no, the country didn't lose, America, the world, we didn't lose, right? Because there's two pieces of phenomenal news that are part of this election that have come through this. And I just want you to hear this and to really understand it. And the first and the most important is God is still in control, amen? Amen. There you go. Yes. You can be excited about things. It's church. People are like, am I allowed to have fun? Yeah, man. God is still in control. He sits sovereign no matter how that election shook out, no matter how surprised or unsurprised people were, human beings were. God knew. God knew forever ago what was going to happen. And he's not afraid and he's not worried and he's still sovereign and he's still in control. And the other piece that I would say is we have this beautiful opportunity. We as a community of human beings that love Jesus, we have this incredible opportunity to love and to demonstrate, to physically live out who Jesus is to our world in a way that we may have not had really before. Because we have, we have these groups, we have humans uh, around our city and around our country and even around the world that are nervous. They are nervously looking at America and at Christians to see what our responses will be. To see the people who claim to love Jesus, who claim to, to serve the God who runs everything, to see what their reaction is going to be. And are we running in fear? Are we freaking out? Are we pointing fingers? Or are we loving it's kind of uh, incredible, oddly enough, you might even say like a God thing, but the, the verse for this week for the 50 days of transformation is 1 Peter 4.8, 1 Peter 4.8. This is incredible. It says this, above all, 
love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Above all, above our opinions, above our thoughts, above an election, above all, love each other deeply. Because again, we have these marginalized groups, we have these disenfranchised groups, we have these alienated groups in our community, in our world, here in the valley that are afraid, right? Our LGBT community is terrified of how Christians are gonna treat them. Our minority communities are concerned about how we are gonna treat them. Our immigrant population is nervous as to what Christians, people who claim to love Jesus, are gonna do to them and their rights or lack thereof. And if that doesn't hurt your heart, if you don't look around and say, how are people afraid of people that love Jesus? When did that happen? If you don't look around our world and see the brokenness and see that people are afraid of how people who love Jesus are gonna treat them, you're missing it. You've missed the heart of Jesus. Get in your Bible and study and read. And I know I get worked up because this is, this is my jam and, and, it's, and it's a lot and it hurts sometimes, but it's beautiful. It's incredible. This election is incredible. There's gonna be things, yep, there's gonna be things and God is still good and God is still in control and now we get to live out what we talk about. We get to live out every day in our workplaces with our kids, with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors when they get freaked out or when they get upset or you know, wherever they may fall on the spectrum. We get to live out who Jesus is to them. We get to live out a peace to them, to our world. So that's pretty incredible. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for where we're going. And then the, the last piece of this, and I'll be done with all the election things, I promise. Uh, is there's also a call, there's the call to love deeply, above all, love deeply. And then there's a call to pray. There's a call to action. It's a call to pray. First uh, Timothy 2, 1 and 2. This is Paul writing. And he says, I urge you, first of all, pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. We could just hang there for a minute. Give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Wow, yeah, pray for them. It doesn't ask our opinion about people, huh? It doesn't ask us for our political posts or our social media stance. It says to pray for them, pray for all who are in authority. Uh, and if you know anything about the history of this, uh, Nero is who was in charge of much of the world at this point when Paul wrote this to Timothy. And Nero, if you wanna be creeped out, this is like a good like Halloween topic. Uh, Google Nero, because it's disgusting, it's depraved, it's terrible. He would do things like for his evening garden parties, he would take Christians and tie them together and cover them in pitch or tar and light them on fire so that he could have torches for his evening garden parties, right? And guess what? God was still sovereign then. In the midst of that, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, pray for your leaders, pray for your kings, pray for your rulers. And God was still sovereign and God is still sovereign now. And we usually give you guys like a take home, right? At the end of the message, we're like, all right, now think about this or pray about this this week, go out. But I just want to do this. I just want to take a minute. We're going to take literally 60 seconds and just model this as a community. We're going we're gonna to pray. And you just pray in your heart. It doesn't have to be weird. People stand up and yell at each other. Like, no, no. We're just going to pray. We're going to pray for our country and we're going to pray for our president-elect. We're going to pray for Trump. Pray for blessing, pray for salvation, pray for hope, pray for wisdom, pray for whatever God puts on your heart, but biblically, that's, our, that's, that's the option. There is no other choice. It's not pray or you know, be mad about it and tell your friends later. It's pray, pray for our leaders. So I just wanna live that out with you. We're gonna take 60 seconds, literally 60 seconds. I promise it won't be that painful. Uh, bow your heads and let's pray, let's pray.
Well, amen, amen. That was a minute. That was the longest minute of some of y'all's lives. You're like, oh my gosh, wrap it up, wrap it up. Somebody speak, right? It's a minute, it's 60 seconds. Hopefully we will all take, take more than 60 seconds this coming week, these coming months, these coming years, and pray for our country and our leaders, uh, whatever your personal opinions are about any of that. It's our country and it's our leaders and it's where God has put us at this time and place so that we will pray into that as a community. That's, that's a beautiful thing. So we are, in fact, as promised, in our 50 Days of Transformation series. And I brought with me the youth slide for our 50 days. We made this. Tess Farnsworth, our very own, made this slide and it's my favorite. He loses his head about stage three. I don't know what happens there, but, but then he grows into it. And I love this slide. I was like, how can I sneak this into big church? I was like, oh, Kurt's, yeah, Kurt's gone. We'll just do it there. So there you go. That is our, our youth 50 days of transformation. And we're talking about the, the different areas, seven major areas of our lives and how we can have God transform them, how, how we can give them to God. Uh, and and we, we've talked about different areas, right? We talked about our physical health, our spiritual health. Last week, T talked about our mental health. She absolutely crushed it. Again, they're all online if you wanna see them. Uh, and I just, tonight, today, this afternoon, I wanna talk about our relational health. Because no matter how you feel about human beings, right? So like, I'm a people person. I would just be around people all the time. It's like, hey, guy, hey, what are we doing? What are we doing? Where are we going? What's going? What's happening right now? Like, I just want to be around human beings. And I know that there's some people that are like, yeah, that's awesome. And some of you are like, yeah, human beings. That's why God made dogs, right? So I don't have to hang out with them anymore. And that's cool. I get that. Like, God wired us that way on purpose. But as long as we're on this planet and not, you know, in a cave somewhere, we, we will have relationship with human beings. And one of the beautiful things about the Bible is that the whole thing is about relationship. It's a love story. The entire Bible is about that. So you can get into that and study, and it's incredible. All right, so we're gonna jump in. We're actually, like I said, we're gonna be in Genesis 3. Uh, Genesis 3, 6 specifically is where we're gonna start. But I'll just give you the big idea right now. Big idea is that fear ruins relationships. Fear ruins them, but Christ redeems them. If you're ruins relationships, Christ can redeem them. And I'll give you the ending right now. Here's the ending to the message. In case you wanna check out, maybe you're not a Hawks fan, I don't know why, but maybe you're not. Uh, the, the end of this is that there is hope and there is victory in Jesus Christ because of his sacrifice on the cross, because he's already crushed the fears that we carry into relationships with us. Jesus has already won, and because of that, we don't have to live afraid. We don't have to live in fear in our relationships. Good news? Yeah, yeah, like three of you are like, I think, is that, is he mad? I don't understand. No, it is good news, I promise. It's good news. Okay, so again, we're talking about Adam and Eve in the garden, right? And if you don't know, if you don't know the creation story, if you've never heard it, uh, essentially, this is, this is all paraphrased, right? Okay, so there's God and there's nothing. Out of nothing, God creates everything, creates all of the things, the solar system, the universe, the heavens and the earth, right? And then the individual planets and our planet and then the trees and the animals and Adam and Eve and, and man and woman. And was it six days? Was it metaphorical days or real days? I don't know. I'll tell you that right now. Ask somebody smarter than me. No idea. But either way, God did it. That's the important part, right? The big bang, bang, God created everything. That's one of my favorite ones. That church jokes. Okay. So God, God creates everything. He makes everything. And he looks back and what does he say when he gets done with creation? You can yell back at me. That's okay. What does he say when he gets done with creation? He says, it's good. He makes everything. And then he says, it's good. So picture this. Everything that God has made to this point is in harmony. Man and women live in harmony, perfect peace, Plants and animals and, and the earth itself and the weather are all functioning together perfectly. I honestly, I can't even imagine that. I can't. I cannot picture what that would look like. I love my wife and she is incredible and loves me back, uh, which God bless her for that. But uh, we can't live in harmony for more than like, you know, like a week probably without, without having a, an extended conversation about something uh, in, in our world. 
I just, I can't even fathom the idea of just perfection in, in relationship and perfection in our relationship with each other as humans and, and the earth itself. That's pretty incredible. But if you hadn't heard, there was, there was something that went sideways, original sin, right, the fall. And again, the 32nd version of how this shook out, again, paraphrased, Eve's in the garden hanging out. Satan comes creeping up and he's like, hey girl, you know, again, that's it's paraphrased. That's not in your version. He's like, which, and he's a talking snake in some versions. How are people mad about how long creation took, but nobody's mad about a talking snake? That is weird. I mean, come on. It says Adam named all the animals. Were all the animals talking? Like, what's your name? Dog? I, I don't know. I, there's a lot going on in Genesis. I'm just saying, check it out. So Satan creeps up as he will. And he's like, hey girl, man, this God, he must really not love you. She's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, what did he tell you about that tree? And she's like, oh, that tree? Oh, I don't eat from that tree because I'll die. Generally good advice, right? Like we support that. That's a standing rule at Epic. If you ever come to our youth group, that is one of our standing rules is no dying, right? We'll tell your parents, you're not allowed to die at church. That's, our, that's one of our rules. So she's like, yeah, I'll die if I eat from that tree. And he's like, die? He's like, no, 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 that's crazy talk. You won't die. Not only will you not die, you'll actually gain the wisdom that God has. You'll gain all knowledge. In fact, God's worried because you'll be God. You'll get to be your own God. And what happens? Eve falls for that line just like we all have, and she eats the fruit. So here we go. We'll pick it up. Genesis 3, about verse 6. So Eve ate some of the fruit. She also gave some to her husband Adam, who was with her, and he ate it. Immediately their eyes were opened and they felt shame at their nakedness. This is where shame enters the world. This is where fear and guilt enter the world. Prior to this, those weren't things that existed. Can you imagine that? A world without shame? I can't. I know we'd all be naked, but I can't imagine that. So, they, so what did Adam and Eve do? They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Then they heard the Lord walking in the cool of the day and they hid from God amongst the trees. But God calls to Adam, where are you? Adam replies, I heard you coming and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Again, hear that fear, hear that consistent theme. And God says, well, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? Adam said, the woman you gave me gave me the fruit and I ate it. That's, that's right there, that's what it says. God's like, okay, I'll play your game. Eve, what's going on? Is that what shook out? And he's like, the serpent deceived me and gave me the fruit, so I ate it. I don't know. And God looks at the two of them and just, I can't imagine, but he just looks at them and he says, because you disobeyed me, in other words, because you broke this covenant, because you fractured this relationship with this decision, there's a curse now. Everything is broken, to include childbirth. God says, you'll have greater trouble in pregnancy and great pain in childbirth. Now, where's, where's all my moms, all my ladies that made human beings come out of your human beings? Like that's, wow, first of all, God bless you. That is amazing. Like I don't even, it's half magic and half like physics to me. I don't really know how the humans do the things, but like that's incredible. But prior to this, prior to this in Genesis, apparently that's not what childbirth was like. That's not what pregnancy was like. That happened when relationship was broken. And God goes on talking to Eve and he said, though you'll desire your husband, in other words, you're still gonna love him even though he's a knucklehead, he's gonna, he's gonna lord it over you. It's not as scary as it sounds, it just means there's gonna be control issues, there'll be tension, there'll be a power struggle. And God says to Adam, he said, because you also disobeyed me and sinned with your wife, the very ground you work is now cursed. And although you'll get to eat what you plant, your field will have weeds and thorns and thistles. And for the rest of your life, you will have to sweat and work hard to get your food until you yourself are returned to the dirt that I used to create you. 
Now there is so much going on in this story. I love this story. I mean, I hate it like a lot of me hates it, but I love it at the same time. There's so many incredible themes that you see throughout the entire Bible that all originate here in this Genesis story, but we're only gonna focus on the relational. We're only gonna talk about that today. Uh, and the first, we're just gonna jump right in because these things always come in pairs. There's a fear and there's a consequence with all of these. So the first one that we see in this story is that the fear of exposure makes me distant. Should be the first blank on your outline or if you're using the book, you can just write it in. But uh, if you ever need outlines that have the blanks, we have them in the back by the polls. The fear of exposure makes me distant. Uh, verse nine and 10, God calls to Adam, right? God comes seeking Adam. God knows what Adam has done. If you're ever not sure if God is asking you a question, you're like, well, maybe God doesn't know if I did it. Maybe I snuck one over. The answer is no, you did not. God already knows, but he comes seeking Adam anyway. And he's like, Adam, why are you hiding? And Adam's like, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And here's a, here's a truth about human nature, right? We all have things in us that we don't like right, about ourselves. There's things in us that I don't love about me. And because I don't love them, because I'm not a fan of them, I certainly don't want you to know them, right? You're only gonna see the things that I think don't suck about me. If it's something I hate about myself, I'm gonna hide it from you behind whatever it takes. And we all have different things, right? We have different things that we hide behind. For me, it's humor. I'll be in a room full of like crying people and I'll be like, three nuns walk in a bar, right? And everyone's, like, everyone's just like, you are the worst. This is a funeral. I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. I, we just, we, <laughs> it happens. It has happened in my life. But we hide, we hide behind different things. And just as an example, you know, from across the room, from across the building, if you squint a little bit, I could be anybody, right? I could be Chris Hemsworth, you don't know. Check this out, who is this a picture of? That could be me, could be Chris Hemsworth. You're not sure? You squint a little bit and I throw one of these up? Like that's, that's similar, okay. But yes, you left the blur up. Our tech team's amazing, they're the best. Uh, but as you get closer to a person, what happens? They, they get less blurry, right? You start to see me for who I really am. You see my fears, you see my doubts, my insecurities, my flaws, my failures. And then you get close enough and you're like, oh, oh, that is definitely not Chris Hemsworth, right? You're like, like they zoom in. that's Chris Hemsworth. That's not a headshot for me from this summer, I promise. That's, some people were confused first service. They're like, was that from camp? And I was like, no, that's, that's me. But we do this, we, we all do this. We have this fear of being exposed to other human beings because we're afraid that they're not gonna accept us. We're afraid they're not gonna love us. They're gonna reject us. And so we cover up who we are. We cover up who we are with, with jokes or maybe with sarcasm, right? Or maybe with our appearance. Like you're the couple, you're the family just has everything together all the time. You're like kids don't talk, we're in church. Don't you dare have fun and smile. Like we have it together because we're the family, right? We all have these things that just cover up who we really, <laughs> some of the kids are like, <laughs> dad. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right, you can say it. They still love you in spite of it, it's good. But adults, man, we do, this, we, we do the same thing. Whether it's humor or whatever our particular defense mechanism, we all try to cover up who we are. And here's the truth about our exposure. The cross, Jesus Christ on the cross already exposed who we truly are in all of its horrificness. Jesus hanging on the cross exposes every single human being that has ever existed as a sinner who deserves death. All of us all of us, but at the same time, in that same moment that we are totally exposed and deserving of death, we are covered. We're covered with the grace. We're forgiven, we're protected. We no longer get punished. We no longer have death as our future because in that same moment that we're totally exposed, we are totally accepted. And that's the, the paradox of the cross, two things that shouldn't exist together at the same time. So like you can't be totally exposed and totally accepted because if people knew all the things about you, like 
all the things about you. They would never totally accept you. That's what we believe. But the truth is we're already that exposed and we're already that accepted in spite of ourselves. Second fear and consequence duo, the tag team effort we see with Adam and Eve is that the fear of disapproval makes me defensive. Fear of disapproval makes me defensive. Oh man, these are my favorite, right? How many of you guys have ever been in like a business meeting where the, the business isn't going well? Something, the product didn't ship on time or like you guys missed your quota. Has anybody sat in those meetings and you get to figure out who's fault? Well, yeah, come on. Mm, I worked for Allstate prior to this and you know, there's quotas and things and you talk, have those conversations and, and what happens in those meetings, right? It's just a bunch of people sitting around like, man, you're just so incredible and you tried your hardest and gosh darn it if you didn't make your quota, right? Like that is not how those go. We have this fear of disapproval and so we just start yelling at other people. We get defensive and we start blaming, right? What did Adam and Eve do? Adam didn't even hesitate. He threw his wife under the bus bigger than Dallas, right? You gave me the woman and she gave me the fruit. Right, the bus just ran right over. That's his wife. And he was like, "Mm, not me. He's like, it's like holy buckets, man. And Eve, ladies, Eve doesn't do any better, right? She's under the bus, but she's not gonna be there alone. She's like, the serpent, the serpent deceived me and gave me the fruit and I ate it. So it's y'all's fault. Pick somebody, pick the snake, pick the fruit, pick God, but don't blame me. And we all do this. We all do this. It's so easy to look at Adam and Eve and go, you knuckleheads, you were in paradise. You had everything. You had to eat the papaya. Like of all the fruit in the whole garden, you had to eat that. I don't know if it was a papaya. That's not biblical, but... Just to clarify, somebody's gonna be Googling like, that's not in Genesis. It's not. (laughs) But we all all do this. As adults, we all have this belief. And, And what's incredible to me is that Jesus knew that this was a struggle we would have. Jesus knew that this was a struggle that his creation would have. The beauty of the cross, again, is that it's the convergence of these two things. It's this convergence of of the idea that we are not worthy, right? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how big your church is. I don't care how holy you are. All have sinned and fallen short. It's our unworthiness, and yet it's our worthness. And yes, I realize that's not a word, but it's, it's you are not good enough and cannot be, and yet you are loved and accepted and valued in spite of that. That's what the cross does. That's the message of the gospel is we can't do it. We can't get there. We can't work hard enough. We can't make it, but God loves us anyway. Amen. There you, Amen. There you go. Man, that's a big deal. It's like, you don't have to go to hell and spend eternity there. That's a, I get excited about that. Good gravy. So we fear disapproval. We do. We all do, whether it's with our boss or our coworkers or our spouse or maybe our neighbors, whoever it is, we have this fear of disapproval. And one of the things that we can do is we can always speak truth to lies because these fears are all lies. And the way you conquer them, the way you combat them is you speak truth back to it. And here's some verses. You guys could just write them down and look them up later. Titus 3, 7 says, you are completely accepted. Because of what Jesus has done, you are completely accepted. There's no maybes, there's no yeah buts, there's no like kinda, because of Jesus, you are completely accepted. Isaiah 54, 10 says you are unconditionally loved. God's love for you is never changing, it's never failing. You can't outlive it, you can't outsin it, you can't run far enough. God's love for you is unfailing. And you're incredibly valued. You know, you're a daughter or a son of the king. Because being, being the king isn't all it's cracked up to be, right? People are always trying to overthrow you and like assassinate you and poison your food. And like, like being the king is like, ah, I don't know about. But being the daughter of a king, you know what that makes you? There you go, like three of you know what that makes you. A princess. If you're the daughter of a king, you're a princess. Bring on the sparkly dresses. Life is good. Or a prince. Yes, you can be a prince too, right? If you're the son of a king, you're a prince. You just get to live in that family. You just get to be. You don't have to do any of the business. You just exist in this loved place. 
And here's what just always, always just shatters these illusions that I have is that Jesus chose to hang on a cross, not just for like Kurt or some pastor or some like super holy people. Jesus chose to hang on the cross for any person that you can imagine. And what's insane about that to me is that we have this ranking system, right? We have our, our, our Christian ranking scale that's like, well, that's adultery. Like that guy's right out of the church, you know, but oh, well, that, well that's, one, that's not, no, no, no. Jesus flips that this way and says, all have sinned. All are broken. No one is better than anyone else. And, I, and he looked at his people. He looked at us. He looked at you and said, and you're worth it. You're worth it. You're as bad of a sinner as any other person that's ever existed, and you're worth it. And I'm going to choose to go to the cross to demonstrate that. That's what Jesus says about your value. And the last, the last fear and, and consequence duel that we see is that the fear of losing control makes me demanding. The fear of losing control makes me demanding. This is another one, man. Adam and Eve, at the end of this, what happened? The result of their sin was that they lost control of everything, right? They lost control of their destiny, their future. They lost control of how they raised crops and fed themselves. Lost control of like how they made human beings. Like they lost control of everything. And here's what's crazy. If you're a a secure person, if you're genuinely secure, because I think most of us would say, I'm pretty secure, right? Very few people will admit to their insecurities, which is kind of the definition. But uh, if you're really secure, you don't have to have things your own way. You don't because you don't find your value in that. You don't equate having control of the situation with who you are, with your value as a human being. Have you guys ever worked for a boss that is like, Oh, how do we say this? Basically, have you ever worked for a boss who had to control every single thing? Like the number of erasers that you went through and the number, yeah, you know what I'm saying. And it's like, why are they like that? It's like, cause they're terrible people. No, because, because, maybe that too, but because they're insecure, because they don't have this security, they have this fear. And so they have to act like that. They get controlling, they get demanding and they just turn into these people that you don't even recognize. So what do we do? What do we do? What's the antidote to these fears? It's like, oh, that's scary and terrible. And I do have some of those. Great. Well, what's the antidote? It's love. It's love. And I know that's, the, well, usually the church answer is Jesus. It's Jesus. Everyone's like, okay, we can go home. Yay, right? It's love. But what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, the Bible tells us that the opposite of fear is love. It's love itself. Uh, 1 John 4.18 says, wherever God's love is, there is no fear. You wanna get rid of fear in your relationship, any relationship. It doesn't matter if it's your kids or your spouse or your neighbor, it doesn't matter. You wanna get rid of fear in that? Bring God's love into it. You wanna get rid of fear in your workplace? You wanna get rid of of fear at home, at school? You bring God's love into it. Why? Why does that work? Because it's because Jesus, right? Because magic. Well, look at the second half of the verse. Because God's perfect love drives out all fear. Fear can't exist in the presence, in the holiness of the king in who God is, in his character. He is so holy, he is so beautiful, he is so wonderful, he is so pure. Fear can't exist when he is there. In his pure love, fear can't even survive. So you wanna get rid of fear, you wanna move it, you start bringing God's love into it. You speak truth, you get into your Bible and you actually know some Bible verses and not just vague things like, I heard there's a talking snake in Genesis, right? No, you're like, no, Titus 3, 7, and you start speaking truth to it. Because in the ultimate act of relinquishing control, what did Jesus do? He gave up everything. T talked about it last week. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus wasn't sitting there excited about going to the cross. He wasn't like, man, this is gonna be the best day ever, right? He cried out to his father and he said, if there's any other way. He said, father, is there any other way? Do I have to go to the cross? But how did he end his prayer? Matthew 26, Jesus says what? He says, but your will be done. 
Your will be done. He said, I give you control of my life, my circumstances, my situation. God, I give this to you. And we, we have this fear, especially in our Western culture, we have a fear of giving up control because it, it means that I'm not the one running it anymore. If you don't know Jeremiah 29, 11, if you don't have this memorized, go home, write this on yourself somewhere. I don't even care, like tattoo it on yourself. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you and they are for good. Plans to give you a future and a hope. We show up with our stuff and I do this all the time. I'm like, God, here's my timeline and how I'm gonna do it. You're welcome. Got it handled, right? And, and what happens? They blow up and go horribly awry every single time. God says, I know the plans I have for you. It's okay, it's safe to give me control because I love you, because I'm the one who made you. I wired you to like dogs more than people. I did that on purpose and I have plans for you. You're gonna be a dog groomer, it's gonna be great, right? God says there's no fear in that. And Jesus knew, God knew far before we were ever here that we'd have these fears. We'd have these fears and he knew the consequences that they would have, the havoc that they would wreak on our relationships. He knew how they would break us and what they would look like. And Jesus, man, on the cross, he met every one of those fears, met every one of those fears, our fear of disapproval, right? Our fear of losing control. Jesus met all of those on the cross and said, you're already exposed. You already don't have the approval and guess what? I'm giving it to you. Guess what? Your exposure is covered. Guess what? Your disapproval is now approval. You are now good enough because of my sacrifice on the cross. All of our fears in any relationship come back to the person of Jesus on the cross. I love you guys. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we need you, Father God. We have our ideas. We have our plans. We have our relationships and our struggles and we go through them fighting tooth and nail to, to show them who's in control, to show them who's boss, to show them that we know and can, we understand how to do it. Lord God, I lift up my fears to you and I lift up this room. I lift up the fears that are in this room in relationship. Jesus, I ask that you would take them because it's good news. We don't have to be afraid. We have nothing to be concerned about anymore. Jesus, because you hung on a cross and said, I love you, said you're good enough said you're accepted, said you're valuable. And I just pray, Jesus, if there's anybody here who's living in that, who's living in that broken relationship, who's living in that lie, in those fears, that you would speak to their heart, even right now. We prayed, we sang Holy Spirit earlier, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fall, you would come and, and you would meet them. You would meet their hearts and just heal it. Let them know who they are in you. They are your daughter, they are your son. And if there's anybody that, that doesn't know Jesus, you, you're not following Christ yet and, and you might not understand everything, but you understand that you don't wanna have fear in your relationships. You understand that you don't wanna have fear about your future. And you're like, I'm in, I wanna start this, I wanna do this. And I'm just gonna pray a prayer and, and there's not some magical prayer that makes you holy or perfect or anything like that. It's just a matter of giving your life to Jesus. It's exchanging what we have for what he has. So you just make this your own. You just put this in your own words. You just say, God, I need you. I am tired of doing this on my own. I have tried and tried and I have fallen. I give you my life. I accept the sacrifice that you have given me. Lord Jesus, I have sinned. Forgive me. Forgive me. Make me whole. Make me new. I want to follow you. You say that. And Jesus, man, he meets us and he starts to grow us and he starts to change us and he starts to transform us. Father God, if there's anybody who's praying that today, if there's anybody who's just thinking that, who's afraid, but they, they wanna take that step, I pray that you would meet them. 
you would show up in their life, you would, you would speak to their heart even right now that they wouldn't be afraid. They could be courageous, Lord Jesus, and they could reach for you and find you in that moment. Jesus, we love you and we need you. We ask all of this in your name, amen. Amen. If you guys wanna stand with me, we're gonna sing through Love on the Line again. And one of the things that happens, especially if you go to church a lot, uh, is you see some of the same songs and you see the words and it can kind of become karaoke. You see the words and you sing along and you say them and that's great. I would just, in this, in this last song, in these few minutes, take the time to confront your fears. Look at your relationships and say, where am I hurting? What am I living in fear of right now? And then just give it to Christ. Say, Jesus, you've met me. You've answered this. You've beat this fear. You've destroyed this at the cross. Give it to him. Let's worship and I'll come back up and dismiss us. We have, we have been rescued. I love that song. To the one who rescues my soul. Man, you have been set free. Those chains have been broken. We don't have to live afraid anymore. This week, live courageously. Show the world what it looks like to be a person that loves Jesus. Show them the unity. Show them the love that you have for them, regardless of who they are or where they live or what their vote is. And if you made a decision, if you're like, I wanna follow Jesus, I don't understand, but I'm in, maybe I do understand, I don't know. We have little gift bags by the door, so you grab one and then tell somebody. We are a community. We want to be in relationship with you, so tell somebody. And if you need prayer, man, maybe you're in that relationship and you're carrying those fears and you're fighting them and it's on your heart and God is speaking to you. Don't leave, don't run for the door, come down. We have a prayer team down front that wants to pray with you, that wants to pray for you, that wants to be involved in this battle with you. We have communion on both sides if you want to take it. I love you guys, man. God bless. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a good week.